0: Looking to optimize your performance, grow your mind, and change your system? Well, you've come to the right place. This is the Bold Base Performance Podcast. Hey again, world. It's BB and TV from the Bold Base Performance Podcast. We're excited to have you back for episode three, where we talk about some of our favorite topics, including the importance of sleep, how to improve your recovery to enhance performance, and how understanding and better controlling your nervous system might be the missing link to optimizing your performance. Thanks again for tuning in, and let's grow together and continue to change the system.
1: Today we're going to talk about sleep and recovery. We're going to give you some tips on how to sleep better, uh, why recovery is so important uh, to optimize your training. We're also going to touch on how to recover better during your workouts, after your workouts, and in between workouts. So those are a couple topics we're going to touch base on today. So let's start with sleep. Sleep is one of the most important things that you can do. Uh, depending on how many hours of sleep you get to a night, you can spend up to 30 of your life sleeping. Um, And yes, it's that important. Even if you think you're not achieving anything during it, it's one of the most important things we do in our life. And uh, unfortunately, it's one of the things that's most overlooked in society today. Uh, Most people get around six, less than seven hours of sleep a night. Um, And that's just not enough. The body's programmed to get seven to nine hours of sleep every single night. And that's something that Brad and I both worked on in the last year to get more consistent with our sleep, trying every single night to get seven to nine hours. And if you can't get that amount, trying to get a nap in during the day to offset some of that lack of sleep. Um, And one of the the best examples I can give people for sleep is you have all these different buckets in life. You have your work bucket, your school bucket, your working out bucket, your family bucket, your hobbies buckets. And all these buckets start filling up the more you start doing with them the more, whether it's good or bad stress that you add to them, and sleep kind of helps you those buckets. So the more you want to put in to either your job or your schoolwork or your sport or your friends and family, the more you have to sleep to allow yourself to put more of your life into those buckets. So that's one of the best analogies I can give for people who aren't sleeping enough. Um, a couple other stats that really kind of shocked me The uh, more we dived into the research of sleep. Uh, your chances of heart attack, stroke, and cancer all significantly go up when you sleep less. And those are three of the biggest causes of, of health care issues and, and, unfortunately, deaths in America right now. And the more you sleep, the more you can offset those things. So for those people later in life trying to improve their health, those are definitely definitely one way you can attack it is gaining more sleep and for younger people um it, there's a lot of studies that show kids do worse in school the less they sleep and they're more likely to get into car accidents so if you're a kid and you don't think a heart attack or a strokes can affect you anytime soon there's still quite a bit of of need to get more sleep to, so you can do better in school you can do better in your sport you can be more active be more aware and uh, enjoy yourself more with your family and friends, um, especially with driving. Uh, driving when you're sleep impaired is just as bad, if not worse, than driving when you're impaired from alcohol or drugs. Um, because when you are sleep impaired, and if you're having to fall asleep behind the wheel, you can't react. And, you know, um, not at all advocating mixing any kind of drug use with driving, but, but when you're sleep deprived, you've been up all night or you didn't sleep the night before, Um, You really have to think twice about should you be driving or should you get someone else to drive you, Um, things of that nature. The last thing that I want to touch on quickly is there's a lot of good research lately about how certain people are wired to sleep different hours of the night or day. Uh, Some people, mostly kids, but also some adults, are wired to sleep later, kind of that 9 a.m., 10 a.m. hour to get up and start their day. And the analogy I like for that is uh, if you have a kid with a peanut allergy and you give them peanuts, they're going to react poorly. So if you give a kid or an adult um, an inopportune hour to wake up throughout the day, they're not going to respond very well. So, And, and I understand there's a, it's a multifactorial problem with, you know, people companies like to start work early, and then schools have to start early, so parents can get their kids to school before they work. But the earlier you get people up, who aren't wired to get up early, um, the more effect it's going to have on their daily life. So that's a big problem society's going to have to face in the next, you know, generation or so. Because um, the research is coming out that everybody getting up and being at their school or work at seven a.m. just isn't the the most efficient way our society can be structured. So,
0: so I think I think. The thing is, you know, sleep just gets so overlooked because it's like, ah, if I get eight hours or six hours, you know, what's the difference? Um, so here, here's kind of a, a good way to look at it, too, because with how our life is right now, so many things are so easily accessible. Um, and, and people always kind of want the easiest, quickest route because we do have such hectic, busy lives. Um, so, so answer me this, Tom. So, all right, so I create this supplement or this drug, all right, and here's what it does for you. Here's, here's the side effects from it. So, it causes you to live longer, it enhances your memory, makes you more creative, makes you healthier and more attractive, keeps you slim, reduces food cravings, protects you from cancer, protects you from heart rate or uh, heart disease, dementia, stroke, diabetes. It improves your immune system, it allows you to fight off infections with colds and, and viral infections a lot more easily. Um, it also improves your happiness, your mood. Uh, decreases your depression and makes you less anxious. So so if I, if I make this drug and it has all those effects and there's no negative effects from it, not one single negative effect. Oh,
1: sign me how, up. How, much,
0: how much are you going to pay for that?
1: Uh, name price. I would drop any dollar <laughs> right. amount for that. Right? Wouldn't you? Absolutely. And
0: that's, that's literally all the things that sleep is going to do for you. So it's, it's incredibly powerful especially when you look at it like that because it's completely free. It's something that all you have to do is set aside the time and make it a priority in your life because you realize that it makes every aspect of your life better. And and I hear a lot of times people being like, I don't have enough time to sleep, Um, but it, it makes you more efficient with the time that you do have and that you use on other things in your life. Like Tom touched on your job, your kids, your family, anything, your school, it makes all those things more effective. So I think we really have to take a look in the mirror and realize the importance of sleep and how we can use that as kind of a performance enhancement.
1: Why do you think people don't sleep as much as they need to? They're too busy. They don't have enough time. Not enough time to sleep. Gosh, it's just I just wish there was a better way to get. Is it lack of education too? Do I mean, I think so. Even for myself, I.
0: Um, You know, we're kind of in this field relatively. Obviously, we're not claiming to be sleep experts. um, But we're in this field of of health and wellness. And even with reading this book, so a lot of things we're referencing, uh, just so you know, uh, from the Why We Sleep book by Matthew Walker. um, Even after I read this book, I was like, wow. (laughs) I was like, okay, I really need to take my sleep more seriously and make it a priority because I was kind of in that same thought process where I was like oh I'll get six hours and if I feel groggy in the morning like it'll pass within 10 minutes and um the other thing too that, that they touched on in this book that I thought was very interesting um I don't I don't drink caffeine I don't Tom you don't either do you uh
1: I do have quite a bit ah, quite a bit I have a some amount of chocolate throughout the day so that's oh, fair fair you know, okay a little bit here and there but uh, neither of us drink coffee. But it's not like your daily routine no, to, to do definitely that? definitely not my, I have to have my, I, I don't drink coffee at all. I don't enjoy the taste. It doesn't do much for me. But uh, I know a lot of people who have to have a cup or two in the morning. So.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So this, this book, um, so it talks a lot about um, a couple of reasons why you get tired, right? So one of them is your circadian rhythm, which just kind of goes up and down throughout the day. Um, ideal time I think was between like ten p m and six a m that your body 's most most ready to sleep, but then the other thing is this sleep pressure that builds up so basically it 's this um, this drug or this hormone called adenosine that builds up in your brain and it increases your desire for sleep so it just builds and builds and builds the entire time that you 're awake and it makes you more ready for sleep okay so what caffeine does so when you wake up in the morning or, or you know at lunch break or one, 1, 2 o'clock hour when you're getting tired and you have coffee or caffeine, what that does is it artificially mutes the signal of adenosine in your brain so that you're not aware of that sleep pressure that's building up. But it continues to build, right? So, so right when you wake up in the morning, this adenosine, this sleep pressure, builds, 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 builds. Every time that you have caffeine, your awareness of that building up decreases But the fact that it's building does not change, right? So then you'll get an effect where you just totally crash afterwards. Or even worse, you'll just continue to blunt this response. And then your body will never be able to get a full night's rest because you're kind of in this constant cycle, right? So if if you have a cup of coffee in the morning, a cup of coffee after lunch, whatever it is, then nighttime rolls around. And even though you're able to sleep because you're just exhausted from the day, the, the quality of sleep, like we've touched on before, is not going to be as great. So even if you set aside your eight hours, you're doing all the right things, this response is going to be blunted so that your body's not able to get into that sleeping state quite as well. So that was just another thing that kind of stood out to me um, in reading this book. And then the last one, more for kind of the the sports and athletes, people listening to this, there was a study in 2014 by uh, Maluski et al. um, And it talks about chronic lack of sleep and how this is associated with increased injuries in sports, especially in adolescence. Um, so I'll just I'll break these numbers down for you really quick. So this is your percent chance of becoming injured, based on the amount of sleep that you get per night. Okay, so if you get six hours of sleep per night, and you're an adolescent athlete, you have a seventy-five percent chance of getting injured. Okay, if you get seven hours of sleep per night, that decreases down to sixty percent. If you get eight hours, that decreases down to 35%. And then if you get nine hours, that decreases all the way down to 15%. So literally, and, and especially in adolescence, because that's when sleep is so important, um, as it is throughout the, throughout the life. But literally getting six hours versus nine hours is going to decrease your risk of
1: injury by 60%. That's, that's crazy. That's absolutely remarkable. Um, what else can do that for you? 60% change in injury uh, risk besides like a well-thought-out well, training program I was, That's what I was going
0: to say, like a well-thought-out training or program. Or awesome genetics. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's remarkable. And it's it's completely free. Like literally all you yes. have to do is set some time aside.
1: That's the best thing about sleep. And people enjoy sleep. Everyone likes to sleep. I hope everyone likes to sleep. Yes,
0: yeah, absolutely. And, and with this too, I mean, I don't want it to be like a, a scare tactic thing where it's like, oh, well, I drink coffee and now they're telling me that this is so terrible. It's just... All everything we're saying is just talking about taking steps in the right direction, right? I mean, if, if you drink a cup of coffee in the morning and a cup of coffee after lunch, well, can you start by cutting the one after lunch down to, like, half a cup? Or, you know, your body's used to that. You could drink decaf because you're still getting the flavor or whatever it is and then weaning yourself off of it slowly. Because, yeah, if, if you're drinking two or three cups a day and you go down to zero, that's going to be kind of a, a shock and there will be... Withdrawal and whatever. Um, But the more that you can just do the coffee in the morning and try to decrease it throughout the rest of the day, that's going to help significantly with sleep.
1: And the reason we want that coffee in the morning is because caffeine has a half life of about six to seven hours. So, what that means is if you have one cup of coffee at noon at either 6 or 7 p.m., you're still going to have half of that cup of coffee or, you know, caffeine and every other chemical still in your body, um, and then you'll have a fourth of that at midnight. So imagine trying to drink a fourth of a cup of coffee right before you go to bed. You're probably going to have trouble sleeping. So if you enjoy your coffee, you like it, it's part of your routine, makes you feel good, um, keep doing it. Just try to, to keep it before noon. That's kind of the biggest step we get people in the right direction is, is that dosage, is just having, you know, appropriate amount of it and also the timing of it. You know, it's... Having coffee after dinner, it's just going to be tough to sleep. It's really going to affect it. And we're trying to get people to recover better. So if you enjoy your coffee, keep drinking it. Just try to keep it before before lunch.
0: So, so I think it's something, too, where we could probably do an entire podcast just on sleep. We could probably do hours' worth of content on just sleep because it is so important. It's one of the, one of the main pillars of your health and wellness. And I feel like it's often not treated that way. But let's, before we move on to getting into recovery and, and uh, the training aspect of things and, and kind of that stuff, um, let's give the listeners just a few things, a few actionable items that they can take in order to improve their sleep or at least give themselves a better chance to have better quality of sleep. Tom, you want to start us off with that?
1: Yep. So we've got a couple uh, checklist items here. To uh, if, if you don't know how to sleep better, here's a couple of things that we find that really help people. Um, Easiest one is to get your room darker with uh, televisions, phones, your window, um, all these different things in our life bring too much light into our sleeping area. So try to get that room darker, get some blackout curtains, um, turn your TV off before you go to bed. Things like that are going to allow your body to calm down, to get your parasympathetic nervous system to kick in. And allow you to start sleeping better.
0: So so you mentioned that turning off the TV before bed. What are your thoughts on, one, having a TV in your bedroom, and two, watching TV right before you go to bed?
1: So if you're looking to optimize your sleep, the best thing you can do is to have your bedroom for rest and recovery. So everything in your bedroom should be aimed towards allowing you to sleep better, to recover, and allow yourself to be your best um, the next day and the days after. So... If you can, if you can actually get your television out of your bedroom, I know a lot of people probably don't want to do that. But if you're trying to get your sleep better, that's one of the first things that's probably needs to go. And that's fine. Just have your television in your living room, in your family room, wherever it may need it needs to be. And uh, you're going to start noticing you sleep a little bit better. Now, in terms of sleep or watching TV before bed, again, it's going to affect your quality of sleep. Um, so if you can have a little buffer of time of after you watch your favorite episode or favorite sporting event have a half hour to 90 minute window where you kind of decompress from the day maybe like you make your lunch for tomorrow you take a hot bath something to wind you down before you go to bed and just just to add a stat on there too um so
0: if reading an ipad before bed where you're reading a screen compared to just reading a regular book the iPad d- decreases your melatonin production by 50%. Some people know melatonin is for sleep. They take, you can take melatonin if you're going on a trip and you're going to have jet lag and whatever. So that melatonin production, which helps you sleep, is going to be decreased by 50% by reading that iPad instead of that book before bed. So even like that, it's small changes where you're reading an old school like, paperback book versus the iPad right before bed um, can make a big difference. So yeah, to your point, the less that we can have, you know, that led or that light exposure before bed, the better, even if it is just 30 minutes ahead of time where you just plan that out. And then to your point, doing something relaxing, like taking a hot bath is going to get you so much better into that, that mindset of sleep.
1: Second thing that we can add in for sleeping better, recovering better is trying to be consistent with the time you go to bed and time you wake up. We try, we try to recommend people to get seven and a half to 9 hours of sleep a night. And for some people, that may not be realistic. Maybe you have a, a late-night event and you have to get up early in the morning. So in those situations, you want to try to get a nap in the next day or at least get back to your routine as quick as possible uh, the next day. So if you if you have one night where you only get 5 or 6 hours, uh, it's not worth it stressing about it and, and beating yourself up and, and worrying that, Um, You're not doing your best Just try to get right back on track the next night Um, But again, trying to structure Your schedule, your life Around getting that 7.5 To 9 hours of sleep That can be one of the best things you can do For your health, for your performance um, And improving Basically everything In your life Um, And the third thing we'll talk about For uh, improving your sleep is, Is getting the temperature down in your room Most people sleep in rooms that are too warm and that's going to affect your ability to fall into that deep sleep so we try to keep things under 70 degrees you know in that kind of 65 68 64 range um, to allow your your body to decompress to calm down to get into that deep sleep so the three things just to review quick a cool room a dark room and trying to be consistent with your bedtime and your wake-up time as well
0: and to add on that too As far as when you are waking up, the alarm clock that you use, ideally that would not be your phone because then your phone is going to be right by your bedside, Um, but the alarm clock you use, try to have it be something that uses a slow awake sound or even they have now, I don't know the name of them where they like slowly expose more and more light. It's like, it's like a lamp, and That's it like, cool. becomes brighter and brighter. Yeah, And it's just more of a natural way of waking up. Um, but the reason I say that is because like the alarm system, and I, I need to get better at this too. My alarm right now just is super abrupt that waking me up. But when, when you have that and your alarm eh, 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 just starts going off super loud, what it does is it actually spikes your sympathetic nervous system, which we're going to talk about in a second, comparing the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system. But it, it spikes that sympathetic response and it starts your day off um, in kind of in kind of a stressed manner. So it literally initially increases your heart rate more than, than it should because you go from resting heart rate and then all of a sudden this super loud noise wakes you up where you think, um, you know, like if we we're going back in the caveman, cavewoman days, a, a bear is scratching at your, you know, Cave or whatever, where <laughs> you're, you're jumping up out of bed, um, so it just starts your day off with kind of a, a stressful response. So I'll try to do some of those, you know, slow awakening things. Did you did you find what that light was called?
1: Yes, yeah, so I just looked it up. Um, Google's got the best information out there. So wake up light, sunrise alarm clock. There's a, a variety of them that you can find, but it seems that when. Your alarm's supposed to start to go off. This light turns slowly on and on and on, just kind of like you're waking up to a sunrise. And I'm sure there's some uh, noise description with it, whether it's uh, um, five natural sounds. So a little bit of noise, a little bit of light to kind of wake you up better instead of that, like Brad was talking about, that abrupt uh, alarm clock noise that everybody seems to dislike. So another way to kind of start your morning better and get more, out of your recovering sleep patterns. But uh, enough about sleep. I think everyone gets the gist of it. The more you sleep, the better your life's going to be. So we're going to keep encouraging that. And uh, like we said, if you want to learn more, you can you can reach out to us or check out Why We Sleep, one of the best books that we've both read um, kind of in our journeys here as uh, rehab professionals. But the next thing we want to touch base on is recovering during your workout. So we talked about sleep at night, recovering, uh, from night to night, but now we're going to talk about recovering during your workout a little bit to improve your workout, get more of your training or, or your sport or your event or exercise, things like that. And one of the big things that we, we like to talk about is, is to program your recovery time in between exercises that's appropriate for you. So if you're doing kind of a, a heavier or more intense exercise or lift or, or event, you're going to want a longer recovery time in between each set or or even each repetition or each event. So for example, if you're, if you're trying to do some heavy squats, you want a little bit longer, maybe a three to five minute recovery time in between those sets to allow your body to fully recover as much as it can to give your best performance the next time you do it. If you're doing Kind of an easier set or an easier workout, you don't need as much recovery time, so having those programmed ahead of time are gonna allow uh, you to get the most out of your training to give your best effort um, and improve yourself the most in the gym. Any other thoughts on that Well, and a
0: big part of it too is is going more based on letting the nervous system recover versus just oh, my muscles feel ready to rock again. Like I think, um, so Tom and I, we work out together uh, a decent amount. And something that I've noticed even lately is as we do some of our, our power or like more explosive workouts, um, like say we're doing, you know, broad jumps or sprints or I don't know, whatever our exercises at the time, I'll even notice in myself that I don't want to rest as long because you got that adrenaline going, everything feels good. You just want to dive into that next um, that next set, but you really have to focus on that, um, that rest period in between. So a great way that we found at least like with, with sprints is we just go. So like literally one of, one of Tom and I's workouts, like if we're doing just a a conditioning day or a speed day is we just do like a 10 meter fly, just a sprint and then rest for, I don't know, just like three, Couple four, it kind of, yeah, a few minutes. It kind of depends on the day and, and obviously on what set we're on within our group. But, um, you know, doing that and then once your speed slows down, so we time everyone, once your speed slows down at all, you're done, right? So every single time we run it, we have to beat the speed that we got before. So say we get like a one eight seven on the 10-meter fly, next time if you don't eat if you don't beat 187 you're done for the day right because what that tells us is that your max explosiveness is dropping off and our goal with speed work and with explosiveness work whether you're trying to you know improve your sprint time or increase your vertical or whatever it is your goal is force output so if that's falling off even a little bit then there's no sense in pushing it because then you're getting into more endurance and more cardiovascular and those types of things which have their place but if that's not the goal of that specific training session then 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 you're
1: missing the boat on that um and and that's that's kind of something that we've implemented right and it seems basic and seems kind of common sense but we have to remind ourselves all the time if you want to run faster you need to practice running as fast as you can and you can't do that in a fatigued state so again time and place for for most kind of workouts but you're really trying to run faster. You need to limit the opportunities you have to run fast. Give yourself ample rest time, but also really crank up the intensity when you're doing an exercise like that. Anything else to add on recovering during workouts? That's it. All right, perfect. So the next thing uh, Brad's going to touch a little bit more here on is is immediately after your workout, what should you be doing? So sometimes when I work out, Brad, I just kind of go home and I you know watch a little bit of TV and then. I eat dinner, and I take a shower, and then I go do whatever, but you kind of have some good ideas here on what you can add to the the calm down from the workout.
0: Yeah, so this is something that I've just been looking into a little bit more lately and trying on myself, and I I have been noticing some um, improvements with it, and I've I've really enjoyed it, and basically what it is is just getting your parasympathetic uh, response as soon as possible after your workout. Okay, so um, for those listeners that don't know what I mean when I'm talking about uh, the nervous system, I'm just going to break it down kind of surface level really quick here, so basically, with your nervous system, you have your parasympathetics and your sympathetics so sympathetics is your fight or flight response so basically, this is you know highly stressful situation it's only supposed to be turned on for a short period of time, and it's when you're doing something intense, like a workout or Um, you know like back in the the ancestral days of cavemen and cavewomen if you're chasing after your food or if you're running away from a bear or whatever it is that's your sympathetic response and that's kind of what it's intended for is life or death situations or very intense short duration situations and that's kind of the part I want you to focus on is that short duration so how that gets thrown out well I'll dive into parasympathetics first here Um, and then sympathetics is more of your your rest and digest and your body recovering and, and kind of building up after the breakdown of that sympathetic response. Okay, So the parasympathetics is rest and digest. Like You just had your Thanksgiving dinner, and you're just sitting around and um, totally kind of zenned out. So anyway, what, how that gets thrown off is with our current lives, our sympathetic nervous system is doing way too much, and it's on for way too long. Right? So um, we have hectic lives with an adrenaline rush from deadlines and rush hour traffic and caffeine and having bills to pay or um, thinking about an argument that happened at home or layoffs at work. Or there's just, there's countless things in our lives right now um, that cause this stress and cause this sympathetic response, but they're not physical. Right? So if you think back like, um, you know, thousands of years, the stresses that they had were physical stresses, like I said, of chasing after their prey, trying to find dinner, or um, running up a hill away from a tiger, or whatever it is, but but it was short duration, and then they were able to rest and recover, and hopefully they caught that prey and were able to eat and whatever it was. Um, So what happens is when we're constantly in this sympathetic state, our body isn't able to recover adequately. So it happens or it results in a lot of people becoming overtrained um, or having compromised immune systems or nervous system responses because they're constantly in this state, because we're in this this hamster wheel of life where the demand is always higher, the hours of work are always longer. Um, It's kind of that rat race where everyone is just just grinding um, and we don't give enough time to rest and recover. And then when we do, that's the other part is people might be like, oh, well, I I chill it. I watch Netflix for two hours and that's my parasympathetic response. Um, but the fact is, when we, when we do those types of things, you're not able to actually turn your brain off and you're still getting a ton of input, right? So when you're watching Netflix, your brain is still taking in a bunch of blue lights and it's still trying to process all of that. And everything that happens throughout the day is a stressor. It might be a positive stress, it might be a negative stress, whatever it is, it's still built up stress in your body. So we need to realize that by doing those things of like sitting and watching TV or um, doing whatever else, it it doesn't necessarily turn on the parasympathetics in the way that we need it to. Because maybe you're still thinking about work or maybe you're trying to take in the plot of the show you're watching or, or whatever. So anyway, the point is that we need to turn on the parasympathetics more in order to let our bodies recover. So... Um, again just touching on kind of the the things that cause more of that sympathetic response you know stressful work life or home life high volume training um, you know not programming correctly not giving yourself enough rest eating foods that don't promote optimal recovery so that's a huge thing too that we uh, will probably have have to dive into that on on another podcast because that's huge with with diet but um, you know eating foods that aren't natural and aren't um, necessarily what we were intended to eat initially. Um, All these processed foods, anything that comes in a box, um, you're just not able to get as much out of it. Your body's not able to process it in the same way. So basically, short and sweet as far as diet, you should be eating things that either walk the earth or were grown from the earth, right? Um, And outside of that, you're probably not getting your optimal um, ability to recover. So with the parasympathetics, um, something that I've been trying and, and what I would advise trying is after your workout, like immediately doing something that completely relaxes your mind and your body. Okay, So this doesn't necessarily include watching TV because then your mind isn't relaxed. You're still taking in a bunch of blue light what I would try is doing some sort of meditation. Now, this can mean a bunch of different things for a bunch of different people, but basically it's just getting your mind to think about as little as possible. Um, So what I do is after my workout, um, typically I'm working out in my basement or or outside or whatever, uh, and I'll just lay down and for 10 minutes do a guided meditation where... You're listening to, um, you you can Google them, they're they're super easy to find, just 10-minute guided meditation, and basically it's just getting your brain to think about nothing. You're just living in the moment, taking in the sounds, and seeing how your body feels and just trying to become acquainted with that feeling. And what this does is it just helps your body to totally relax, and that actually optimizes your muscles' ability to recover along with your nervous system. Some other options as far as getting those parasympathetics working are doing some breathing work. So I mentioned in a previous podcast, um, Wim Hof breathing. Again, we'll, we'll dive into that later. You can Google it if you want to know more about it. It's pretty, pretty straightforward, um, works pretty well. You can do diaphragm breathing, um, breathing through your nose, really expanding your stomach, doing kind of different tempos like breathing in for seven seconds, hold for seven seconds, out for nine seconds, or, or something along those lines. Um, Another thing you can do is just incorporate play. So like at the end of your workout, incorporating something that you really enjoy. So for me, that would be just shooting, shooting baskets for like 10 minutes alone where I'm not thinking about much. I'm just shooting. I'm doing something that I grew up doing. And it's just kind of a, um, you know, a peaceful thing for myself to do. Maybe for you, it's play and catch. Maybe it's going on a walk in nature. Just anything that's going to kind of put you in the moment versus thinking about the next thing or thinking about work or thinking about you know, your bills or whatever it is. So that's actually something that is huge for, I mean, your mental health along with your nervous system recovery. Um, so, so those are some things that I've been trying to incorporate lately and that Tom and I are continue to dive deeper into because we think that that's, that's really cool and something that we didn't implement as kids. Um, and that's kind of where where programming and things like that play a role and what we want to do with Bold Based Performance is... Like when we were growing up, what I would do is find the coolest workout I could find online and then just go crush myself with it. And then when I was done, I would listen to like rap music on the way home, which is ramping up that sympathetic activity um, and not not really implementing things in the right way. So programming becomes absolutely huge. Um, you know, mixing high volume, low intensity days with high intensity, low volume days and kind of. Um, toggling through those a little bit so that you don't get overtrained and overworked, um, and and doing things that improve your mobility so that you're not adding stress of running on an already dysfunctional, stressed out, sympathetically ridden body. All right. So, um, again, just just kind of some things as far as recovery and as far as getting the most out of your workouts. Um, another way I like to think about this too, to just make it a lot easier, is. Think about when you're on vacation. All right, Tom, Tom what's the most recent vacation you were on?
1: Uh, I actually went to Disney World for the first time. Have you been to Disney? <sighs> Did you go to Harry Potter? Yeah, Harry Potter. See, Universal I, and uh, Magic Kingdom. I got to get to Harry
0: Potter World. Weren't you telling me about
1: like a was like a Quidditch ride that was awesome? Yeah, there's a couple of different ones that they... They get your stomach turning a little bit. Talk about yeah. sympathetic nervous system. <laughs> that's that is the ultimate. That's the ultimate, I, yeah. For, for anyone going to Universal soon, check out the, the Harry Potter rides. They're definitely uh, worth your money. But
0: yeah, there, there's, a, there's a free plug there for, for uh, Universal.
1: <laughs> We're not sponsored. <laughs>
0: not, not, not sponsored by Universal, yet. Or, Di- or Disney. Yet. Um, but anyway, so, so you're on vacation. You're in Disney World. Uh, my last vacation was Punta Cana in the Dominican Republic. Um, but have you ever noticed that like when you're on vacation and you're doing your workouts or you're playing hoops or whatever, you just feel so much better. Like you just have a better energy. Um, I've noticed in myself, I'm able to reach different PRs as far as my workouts, or I'm able to be more effective at basketball and make more shots, jump higher, whatever it is.
1: Have you noticed that? Absolutely. I just feel like a little freer, a little looser and just a little bit more, even uh even if you're you know, busy at night or you're out all day and you're just doing fun things on vacation. Um, it it definitely changes how you feel.
0: Yeah, it's, it's crazy. I was just thinking about that when I was there um, about a month ago. And it's just, I think a huge part of it is you're not having that constant sympathetic activity of your job or stressing about the different things in your life. And you're able to just focus on being in the moment, right? You're literally your intent on vacation is to just Enjoy your time, live in the moment, um, be with family, friends, um, and and then working out on that is just kind of like the icing on the cake. But that just shows that getting the parasympathetic activity going can be a huge game changer for your performance. Um, If you want to learn more about that, reach out to us. Um, Again, we're on Facebook, Bold Base Performance. We each have our Instagram handles. I'm at performance.bake. He's at performance.growback. Reach out with any questions as far as your nervous system, your recovery. Again, on the podcast, we're just kind of doing service-level things. But if you, have, if you have further questions or you want to get deeper into it, just reach out to us. Really appreciate you listening, and we're signing off.